0: WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, online experience coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System, and today... Here we are again for another podcast episode. Welcome, Mary Vermillion. Hey, Neil. It's good to see you again. It's always good to see you and to get together and talk about our our latest episode of WCLS in Whatcom County Presents Library Stories.
1: Yeah, everyone's favorite podcast. And um, hi, everybody out there who's been listening and downloading and subscribing. We sure appreciate it. And so thanks. Thanks for following along.
0: Yeah, we're up to episode number... 12. That's incredible. Yeah. And we're we're going for about... a
1: baker's dozen mm-hmm. next time, right? That's so. right. Mm-hmm.
0: Number 13. Yeah. Today, we're going to start out with an interview with Melanie May.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: and her husband, Richard, were honored as library champions in 2019 by the Whatcom County Library System for their work supporting Blaine Library and lifting the levy lid.
1: Yes, but what I know Melanie May for is her frequent appearances on Matchbook, which was a really popular thing we did during the pandemic.
0: She was one of the people who really appreciated our our reading recommendations that we put out on Facebook right. through, through Matchbook.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just great to hear from somebody from the Blaine Library, wonderful library up there in that community. And, you know, we're working closely with the Friends of the Blaine Library in the City of Blaine to see what the future of that, of that library might be. So it's exciting to hear um, someone who's a Blaine Library patron and, and how she's been using the library. I guess I can put a little pitch out there, too. If you're listening and you're a, a patron and you love your library and you want to share your library story, email us. Maybe
0: we'll get you on air. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're always looking for library stories. Mm-hmm. It's right in the name of the podcast. <laughs> so, so she'll be talking about how the library helped her family. Get through the pandemic mm-hmm. and and through her entire life actually but then we also have another special guest yeah last last episode if you listen to our last episode we featured Part one of our interview with Nancy Pearl, America's Librarian.
1: Yes. And that was such a great interview, Neil. That was really interesting to listen to your conversation with Nancy.
0: Well, not just mine.
1: And, and, yes.
0: Because we surprised Nancy. You have to go listen to that podcast if you haven't heard it, that Mm -hmm. episode, if you haven't heard it, because we... Uh, surprised Nancy by bringing on our executive director Christine yeah. Perkins.
1: Yeah, our boss, the boss, Christine the, Perkins, the and boss. who knows Nancy from her time doing an internship with with Nancy when when Christine was in library school at the UW. So, um, yeah, it's so fun to listen to the two of them. And you're having them do the lightning round. The show, right? That's yeah, coming up in oh, this episode. I can't yes. wait to hear and it. the
0: lightning round. If you've been listening, you'll know that that's where I ask for some. Very quick off the top of your head book recommendations based on a few uh, ideas that are bouncing around in my mind. It's an interesting place to be in yeah. Neil's mind.
1: But the um, prompts, you're, so you give them little yes. prompts. Now, did you give them a heads up or did you spring this on them?
0: I will be honest <laughs> because this is this is radio and that's yeah. sacred to me. Mm-hmm. I I warned Christine that I would be asking her about books. Based on a few particular mm. topics, mm-hmm. and I led. I I let her know what the topics were. I did not let Nancy Pearl know any of this. Well, uh, you figured
1: she was up to the. T- well, Christine's up to that task. Christine yeah. is too. Yes, yeah. but
0: but you know when you're when you're in front of your old yeah. mentor. Yes, you might want to do real well. So well, and, you know, it's your help. boss too, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure she's comfortable and yeah.
1: So, well fun that'll so, be really, yeah. really great to hear what they come up with. I sure love it when you do that
0: with um the folks you're interviewing Neil It's so great I get wonderful book recommendations and and to be honest i didn't even i I wouldn't have even had to do the the lightning round recommendations because because Nancy and Christine just threw book recommendations back and forth. Oh, that's fun! Just yeah. like that—that that would have happened if they had met yeah. in the street.
1: Yeah. Oh, you like that? You'd love this. Yeah. Or have you read this? Yeah. yeah. Fun. Yeah.
0: So it's a great—it's a great episode this time, mm-hmm. um, as it always is. Let's uh, hear these library stories. Let's hear the library stories. We're gonna—we're gonna start out with Melanie May, um, and then we're going to jump right into part two of Christine and. Nancy's conversation. I can't wait. Let's get to the show. All right.
2: Hi, I'm Mary Kinzer. I'm a collection development librarian with WCLS, and I am so excited to be here today talking with Melanie May. Um, Melanie is a patron of the WCLS system, and I first got to know Melanie through a program that we did on Facebook for much of 2020 uh, called Matchbook, where we were giving um, recommendations for books every Wednesday night, and Melanie was a frequent and enthusiastic participant. We just love to see your name pop up every week, Melanie. But I didn't know until recently how connected that Melanie was to the Blaine Library. And in 2019, WCLS honored 100 library champions as part of our 75th anniversary celebration. Melanie and her husband Richard May were among the champions and here's what WCLS Executive Director Christine Perkins had to say. She says Richard and Melanie May have been community advocates for the Blaine Library and WCLS overall leading efforts to pass a levy lid lift in 2008. Melanie continues to invite participation in library events especially those for youth. So we are so grateful for your past contributions and your continued support, Melanie, and it's such an honor to get to talk to you today. Welcome.
3: I am super excited that you asked. I am such a big fan of the library system
2: so, as you know, our podcast is called um, WCLS Presents Library Stories. And so, that's kind of what we want to do today is talk to you a little bit about your library story and your connection to WCLS and libraries in general. So, I'm curious, can you tell us how did you get involved in supporting the library? How did that come about?
3: I've always been a big user of libraries um, throughout my life as a kid myself and as a student. I learned pretty quickly that if you are nice to the librarians at colleges and universities, that they will help you in really big ways. But I really started um, accessing the Blaine Library a lot um, when I had my first daughter, Ruby, who's now 15, um, because I didn't have any mom friends. And the library has the baby story times and and Blaine had the toddler story time on Tuesdays. And I started going when my daughter was not a toddler; she was, I think, four months old. Because I didn't know anybody, and I had no mom friends. And I thought maybe if I go there every week, I'll meet people. And I have friends still that I met there through toddler time at the library in Mm. 2006. Um, So by the time the the levy campaign came around in 2009, my husband Richard May was the um, he headed up that campaign. And I remember him; you know, he was talking to people all over the county about, even though it was a very conservative year for tax, you know, talking about taxes during the economic downturn, um, he talked with people all over the county and he did the print campaign. And And our daughter was, by that time, she was a preschooler. Ruby was three. Um, she was the poster child. Oh, she, I love that. Yes. Yeah, it was on the brochures with her little sad face in front of the closed door, because if that levy had passed, there was going to be significant cuts to the service. And I think Richard was able to convey to the community, like how valuable the library services are. And I remember him making a joke about the increase in the circulation and how much of it was attributed to our family because we were such a big library users. Um, so that was that struck home for us because we were such big users of the library because it helped me to connect with the community and build my mom community. Um, and then my kids are four years apart. So by the time Ruby was kind of getting a little old for toddler time, my next child was the right age for toddler time. So I, at one point when my second one said, you know, I'm too old for that now I thought, but this is what I do on this is what we do on Tuesdays. And if I wasn't available, Richard, my husband Richard would take them. And I think we went pretty consistently for seven years to toddler wow. time at the Blaine Library because and then, you know, that would also be the time we would return our stuff and pick up our books and, you know, look at DVDs. And so it was a big part of um connecting with the community and getting to know other moms and having the kids get to know other kids for us, as well as I I think it's. In a bigger as a bigger picture, I think it's really valuable for everybody in the community because um, it's the last place you can go and be without having to spend money, right? And I see because we're at the Blaine Library so much, um, I you know you see the same people and you see people who are there to read the paper or look at the magazines and touch base. You know, have some. You know, everybody knows there's the regulars that people are well known and it's part of their, you know, getting out of the house and staying connected as well as accessing all the awesome materials.
2: I love hearing how the library has become such a part of your family life, really. I mean, you know, we talk a lot in the library system about the importance of building community and hearing that story of you thinking, I need community and the library is the place to find it. That's just so incredibly powerful, I think. And I bet your girls have amazing memories. Your kids have amazing memories of being at the library.
3: Oh yeah. They, and it continues to be a big part of our life because, um, the matchbook program, we all participated in that. I would ask my kids like, Oh, tell me two books. And then we, you know, it feels very VIP to have library staff recommend stuff to you. So both my kids, my kids are 11 and 15. Now, um, both of them got um, recommendations through matchbook and my teenager was attending the, um, before the pandemic, um, they had a library lock-in thing on Fridays a couple of times a year where there'd be, you know, junk food and they play like a murder mystery game or like a games night. And she loved participating in that. And my 11 year old, who's now a middle schooler um, throughout the pandemic and still now she is participating in the teen programming. So teen creativity hour. And they, during the summer, they did a Dungeons and Dragons thing and, and creative writing, which was so amazing, which is like a sneaky way of getting some kind of enrichment activity in there. Um, but of course she's just in it because it's, it's fun and to, Connect with kids all over the county, right? Not just kids in the neighborhood in a safe way because they're doing them all through Zoom. So she's still doing those. And we still get tons of stuff from the library. They're, they know how to request their own holds. and <laughs> Talk about power users. I love that, right? We really are. I think we have yep. access to every single thing that the library has to offer from preschool theme kits, American Girl dolls, games, DVDs, audiobooks. Every road trip, we have audiobooks from the library. I listen to nonfiction audiobooks when I'm driving.
2: That's amazing. I love that. Well, one of the questions I was going to ask you was how the library helped your family through the pandemic. But it sounds like you were able to stay pretty connected in all the ways, right? Because that was one of our big concerns in terms of you know, when we had to close the doors during the pandemic, how do we keep people connected? How do we stay connected to our community? And how do we keep offering our resources when we can't have our doors open? So it sounds like your family was able to still feel pretty supported through the offerings that we had during the closures and beyond.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That month or two when it was absolutely closed, I felt very weird. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, I remember saying, do they, I I feel like I need to check on the library staff. Like, are they okay? (laughs) What's what's happening in there? What's going on for them? This must be weird for them too. And then the, I saw in the Northern light, they print an article about people were phoning and, and having library staff read to them. And I just, oh, I just wanted to cry. Like to see the lengths that the library staff went to to help people stay connected. Um, and yeah, that as soon as they were able to start doing the um scheduled pickup of holds, I remember they phoned me and other people were like, well, they didn't they didn't phone me and the library staff said, Well, you're kind of a heavy hitter. You have a lot of <laughs> there was, you know, we had like three bags of holds waiting for us when they first opened up because we use uh, we've got adults and a teenager and a and a preteen books, picture books, reference books, DVDs, audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and a lot, a lot of stuff. And we love the matchbook. You guys have done a good job as a system, um, being oh, the binge bags. I was very excited about that when i when I uh, grabbed my first binge bag. I think it was um hospital dV hospital TV series DVDs. Nice way to try new things. I, and I felt like that was probably fun for the library staff to put those together.
2: Oh, I think it was a great way, right, for library staff to, because our staff is so skilled at connecting with people, and and talking to people is so much a part of our jobs. And it, I think they people felt the loss when our doors were closed, and so that became a way to have a conversation a little bit without mm-hmm. being able to talk to somebody. You know, you could sort of group things together and say, here's some cool stuff, and you can take it all away with you. Uh, and I was amazed. At the creativity of our staff who are just incredible. The staff in our branches are so talented at at thinking about ways to connect and to bring materials to people. So I've loved hearing that you enjoyed those as well.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, and there was the other thing, the um, to-go craft bag things for the kids, Mm -hmm. because we always um, participated in, I think it was monthly, Blaine, I think first Wednesday of the month or something, Blaine would have a, a different themed craft thing i still have my um special pen with the flower attached that my kids made Ah. at the library um craft time that was centered around mother's day so the kids had the opportunity to make make gifts and make cards on mother's day and i just love that they were able to do that at the library kind of in secret without me knowing make a craft for mother's day make valentine's cards all those things so they made the making the little to-go bags so the kids could bring it home and then i think there was somewhere you could take photos of your creation and then post them, Mm -hmm. which we didn't do. But I love that people were able to do that to get something from the library and then share what they made with it.
2: Oh, yeah. And it was so much fun to see those pictures right and I wish that we in retrospect I wish that we had gone back and posted photos of the staff putting the craft bags together because several times yep. I would walk by the conference room and see staff putting those to-go bags together and just the care and thought that went into those it, it you know was so gratifying then for them to be able to see pictures of people using the bags it's so much fun so, Melanie, I'm curious, when you talk about the library, and I bet you do, right? Those of us who are heavy library users do talk about the library. What do you tell people about your library
3: system? That they have everything and to just go ahead and ask, because I think people feel nervous to, they don't know how to, they don't know what services are available and they don't know how to access the services. So what I'm always saying is you'd be amazed at the services that are offered, because I know there are even more services that I haven't accessed. like. Tech help, and uh, I don't even know, right? So, to, and I've never um, experienced a library staff being anything other than really kind and patient and helpful when I have questions. Um, so, I'm always telling people, like you, they have they have stuff to lend, they have services that you'd be amazed at, and just ask. And I also love that the Walking County Library System's on Facebook, and I always I've t- taken advantage of a little bit by messaging and saying, "Uh, do you have an idea for me? Do you have a recommendation?" Um, So I encourage people like just message them on Facebook and if they can't answer, they'll tell you who to ask. Um, Because I think there's an overwhelming amount of services for some people. So I encourage them to just get on there and try it out.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I'll, I'll say as one of the, folks who often um, respond to those requests through Facebook, but nothing means more to us than having community members reach out and say, hey, can you help me with this question I have? Can you connect me with a resource? Or like, I love to get the messages from you that are like, oh, I need a new audiobook. What do you have to recommend? And boy, that just like, that is the juicy part for me as a librarian. That's what gets my blood pumping. And I'm so excited and I have to, you know, right, hold myself back and not give you too many recommendations. but. <laughs> There's always more sort of simmering under the surface. So if people want to get involved in supporting the library, what do you recommend? How can they do it? I know sometimes folks think, ah, I'm working full time. I've got, right? Like you, I've got a family. I don't have a lot of time to do it. How can people, if they want to get involved in supporting the library, what can they do?
3: Well, I know the library accepts um, donations and it's tax deductible. But also, I actually just recently um, finally got around to joining the Friends of the Library of the Blaine Branch. And even if you can't attend meetings, if you connect with them, um, they can let you know about events they need help with. For example, there is a um, book sale that they're planning for December and they're already doing the planning for that. So I think that they're always interested in getting people to come out and help with the setup. Um, even if people can't help during the day of the sale, they have the setup before and the cleanup after. Um, so there are those kinds of activities. There's a Facebook moms group in Blaine and often people are saying, oh, I'm looking for new books for my kid. They like the Magic Treehouse series or they like the whatever. And I'm like, ask the library. <laughs> I always right away, I'm saying, you know, you, that information that you just said, you could ask the library staff and they'll be able They'll be super happy to make recommendations. I I don't know if they're still doing it during the pandemic, but my kids really enjoyed seeing staff from the public library come to their schools and do, um, I don't know what they call it, book recommendations. Um, So that was always nice for my kids to see like, oh, it's Patty from the library or other people that they know from the Blaine library come to their school. Also, there's that nice cross connection.
2: Yeah, I think they've just been able to start resuming those visits. Cause my son, we're in Ferndale and my son, um, loves having those book talks when they come to the school and he comes home all excited about different things to read. So I think they've just been able to resume, resume doing those visits. So if they haven't, if your kids haven't seen them yet, they're probably coming. I would imagine.
3: That's good. We look forward to that. We also look forward to, um, we're, we're at the Blaine library probably once a week, even still I zip in there and grab holds or, um, just recently we just had a cold last week so I phoned and said are you still doing that thing where you bag them up and leave the side door open basically and they were like oh yeah because so even though we were sick of course then we still want our books and dvds to keep us occupied so I was able to grab it from outside safely which I really appreciate that service but we look forward to being able to visit the other branches again because that was something that we would um, do as part of our travels is the Linden Library is is so big and has different stuff. And the Ferndale Library, especially when it was brand... That was a big excitement for us to go visit the new Ferndale Library. Um, and I think we've also been to the Everson one. Probably half the branches we have, we have visited with some regularity before the COVID pandemic.
2: Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, we've had a few people that have talked about... I know one summer there was a family that did road trips and they visited most if not all of the libraries um and it's it's fun to see how what things are the same and what things are different in your own library versus a library that you're visiting that's a really fun you know thing to see so that's awesome
3: especially when the kids were littler the little kid area like the Ferndale one had the puppet show and the blaine one has the magnets and everybody's Mm -hmm. got something different
2: you know i have to ask you melanie what are you reading right now
3: I just finished, I, did, I think it was probably you, I asked for some, I'm bu- really busy with work. So I asked for some kind of trashy fiction recommendations. And mm-hmm. I just finished, I can't remember what it was called. But I also just started the new Leanne Moriarty, um, Apples Never Fall.
2: Oh, I haven't character. read it yet.
3: Yeah, I've read everything else. She's one of those authors that I'm like, okay, hurry up and write something else because I've read everything you've written. And I'm also eagerly awaiting the um, Diana Gabaldon, uh, tell the bees that I'm gone, I think it's called, is on order. Yep. I keep checking, like, is it there yet? Is it there? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited. So I I listen to a lot of nonfiction, but I am always reading um fiction of some form or another.
2: Right. And that's, I mean, I I hear that a lot from readers that they do one in one form or they do something in a particular time. You know, I read before bedtime, I read fiction, or I read nonfiction during the day, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's that's really awesome. And to have a new Diana Gabaldon after all of these years is like a really lovely post-COVID sort of treat for the fall.
3: Yeah, I think I'll have to lock myself away when that one comes. My kids know that my whole family knows that that's a series that I'm in love with. Also, we've got a ton of DVDs out because we don't, um, we don't have a streaming service because I don't want to be able to binge things for eight hours. It's good to have a, (laughs) good to have a finite amount of, of viewing. Um, so we also very much appreciate the DVDs from the library. I just got, um, A Quiet Place, the second one.
2: Mm. Oh, that's perfect for fall, Halloween, scary stuff. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, Melanie, it's been a real pleasure to talk with you, um, and I hope that we can continue to connect over book recommendations. You know, I always have a ton of ideas for you, and I just want to thank you for your support of WCLS and the Blaine Library um, and for your family's continued support through the pandemic and on into the future. So thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much. It was great. I'm very flattered to be asked, and I only have good things to say about the library, so I was glad to have the opportunity to talk with you.
0: Now, let's join Christine Perkins and Nancy Pearl for the second part of their conversation.
4: So speaking of times in your life, one one of the many things that you're so famous for is starting all of us in the country, probably the world, on this idea of everybody reading the same book together, so like, what was going through your head when you? How did you come up with it? Where how did that come together?
5: Well, that came together because the Center for the Book, um, of which I was the, the executive director, got a grant from the Lila Wallace Foundation, and they, the the purpose of the grant was to to create new audiences for literature, and and they just you know there were two libraries and eight. Um, Writing um, literary centers around the country that that got these grants and you could do whatever you wanted with it, but very, very smartly the Lila Wallace Foundation gave you a, a planning year and paid for a consultant. To, for for you to work with a consultant. So my my you know little committee met with a consultant regularly that year and you know I I was saying to Neil that I really am a strong believer in book groups and in, in 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 discussion in discuss, you know talking about a book is a, is a much easier way to talk about difficult things than to just talk about the difficult things. Um, and so I I you know just thought well let's do something around book groups and the the consultant came up with the title well what if we called it if all Seattle read the same book and the the woman that I was working with the assist my I hesitate to call her an assistant but um you know she made it all happen and it was just um, and, and I said to Neil, you know, I love neighborhood book groups, but in a neighborhood book group, people tend to be the same, you know, mm-hmm. their, you know, their kids are the same age because that's how you make friends because you're, you know, because it's in your neighborhood and, or because their kids go to the same school. But if you bring people together in a library, you have different ages, different ethnicities, different, different, um, um economic levels and bringing them together to talk about to 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 bring them together through the, through reading a book is such a powerful thing to do and um i'm you know i'm a i it, it it even now i look back and i think you know it was controversial at the time in many ways people thought that for some reason I was advocating that everybody needs to read the same book which of course was not what I was advocating at all but it's really you know communities all over the world have have adopted it and what's wonderful about it is that it's just infinitely malleable you can do you know whatever you have the energy and the budget for yep. you can do and I'm I I'm just amazed at the you know great things that different communities have done, um, you know, uh, from bringing the author in, which is always nice, but totally not necessary, to um, just these wonderful programs that they've done, libraries have done to, to get people again together or to, or to urge people to read the book, but in support of that book or in exploration of that book is a better verb, I think. Right.
4: Well, you probably know in Whatcom County, we've been on the bandwagon for quite a while. We've been doing Whatcom Reads for more than a dozen years now. And last year, we were really fortunate to have chosen a book in advance with a person of color as the author, Essie um, um, and her book, Washington Black. And then with, obviously, the murder of George Floyd and others, uh, and really heightened awareness and and. Interest in learning more about issues related to race. The book deals with slavery in Barbados and and such. Um, we had some really really robust discussions during the walk and reads process. And one of the things we did was have local people of color offer to join in in private book club discussions. Wow, my book club was able to work with a woman who came. Her name is uh, Massa Delara, and she is part Japanese and part African American, and actually African Canadian. Uh, and came to our book club. And what was wonderful is, like you said, my book club is pretty homogeneous. You know, middle class white women, uh, fairly um, progressive, I guess, but yet no real. Uh, sense of what it's like to be black in America today. And, um, also was just there keeping it real with us. And every time we'd venture into these, you know, side combos, she'd be like, wait a minute, ladies, this is not the point here. And that was just so valuable to us. Cause In our private little book club, you don't get a diversity of opinions and you all know what each other thinks after meeting together for 10 or more years. Right, right. That was really...
5: Yeah, I remember discussing um, Chinua Achebe's wonderful novel, Things Fall Apart, and again, it was was with a group of women who were all white, who had never been to Nigeria, um, and and who were, you know, totally anti-British and anti-colonialism. And we had as a guest that night, a professor, this was in Tulsa, a professor from the, a Nigerian professor from the University of Tulsa, who came and was discussing the book with us. And, you know, when all of this anti-colonialism, because, you know, we were all very progressive, came up, he said, wait a minute. He he said, this is not going to be a popular thing for me to say, but without the British, we would have been nowhere Wow. and you know we just like wow and, oh, and in, yeah <laughs> that's know, right <laughs> yeah right and it's that kind of thing that book clubs i think can do is is open up your mind make you look at the world in a different way and right. in I, a non
4: threatening way in a non threatening and
5: to do it in a non threatening way right absolutely which if somebody came and was giving a lecture on um you know, on whatever, you you don't pay as, you you know, you might not pay as much attention or you might take offense, you know, feel like, wait a minute, who are you to tell me to think that way? But when it's in, in, you know, when you can say, well, what does the author feel about this? Or what is the main character saying? That's a really good way to understand that people think differently from you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's, the way the world is, and that's a good thing. So. so, another
4: thing I took from you is kind of a um, measure of contributing to the library profession in the terms of writing book reviews. Um, as you know, I wrote for Library Journal for yep. a long time. I'm still writing monthly book reviews for Cascadia Weekly, our local weekly newspaper. Uh, Lisa Gresham, another staff member, writes them as well. We feel like it's really important for the local community to understand that we know books and we know how to talk about books, and that there's great books at the library. Fancy that! Um, but you've reviewed for many publications
5: for many years. Are you still doing it, or what's your what's? Your yeah, you know, I'm I'm not doing that so much. I I'm I'm kind of. I'm 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 recommending books via Twitter and Facebook um but I'm not really doing book reviews partly I think because I'm so critical um (laughs) and I just feel like oh I can't you know I'm the number of books I start and put down compared to the number of books that I actually finish it's uh you know, it's, it's, it's a little skewed, I think, toward the don't finish books or haven't finished books. Um, And, and partly, I just feel like at this point, I want to read what I want to read, and I don't want to be assigned, you know, library journal just sends you the books and book lists just send you the books. Um, You know, I want to pick out what I want to review. And sometimes I really miss it, You know, I missed the opportunity to do that, but I've never really felt that I was a reviewer so much as somebody who um, promoted books because I, except for those, you know, when I was doing Morning Edition, when I was talking about books on Morning Edition, I could choose what I wanted and I always chose books that I loved because I feel like that's partly one of the things, why would I want to not, why would I want to waste that precious radio time talking about a book that I didn't like? I really want to push these, these, you know, hidden treasures, um, and, and talk about how wonderful they are. So I've never felt like a book reviewer, like I'm not Maureen Corrigan on, on, um, on NPR, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who can really review a book. I just feel like, I can talk about books that I love and that's a that's my little niche.
0: I really appreciate your, your backlist reads that you put out on Twitter. Um, Yeah. Books from 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right.
5: Yeah. It's really
0: good. I I grew up, my, my mom had a bookstore. a used bookstore uh, in South Seattle and Uh when I got off of school, I would go to the bookstore and I'd be in the back room. Wow. All these, you know, books that they're not the New York Times bestseller list. Right. Some, some treasures, like you said.
5: Yep. Yep. I just envy you that. I mean, one of the things I've always wanted to do is like have a used bookstore just just to sort of put your hands on these wonderful, wonderful books. And it's so nice that now there are, you know, there's publishing companies that are looking for those long out of print books. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, um uh, Dean Street Press. I don't know if Whatcom County orders those books from Dean Street Press, um, but they're just fabulous. Um, reprinting, re- really the first half of the 20th century, a lot of mysteries, a lot of women writers that I had never heard of. Um, and during the whole pandemic, still year and a half and, and counting, I've been, um, reading a lot of Dean Street Press books. And there's a, um, there's a whole, like within that there's, um, a, a, a a company, a one man who has done what the furrowed middle brow, which I think is the, <laughs> just like classy name, the furrowed middle brow books or press with Dean Street Press, and gosh, oh Christine, just get those books. Okay.
1: Hey,
5: their whole thing. I, they're. I mean, they're just doing all these wonderful reprints, and um, and and, and both. So you're you're you know both coming. Ac- I'm coming across authors that I loved and so excited to find them, but also. Um, writers that I've never heard of, the golden age of mystery writers um you know who wrote like 50 books how how somebody who read mysteries all her life could not have run across you know a writer like that, who knows but um, Angela Thurkel, for example, oh my gosh, their, their books are so, I mean I, I've been ordering these books from through Blackwell's uh, mm-hmm. the great British bookstore who um and the books are not any more expensive than if you ordered them through um the big bookstore that in the sky
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: that goes on names okay right, right. Well, the,
0: the great thing about having this podcast is that um we'll we have a page on our website wcls.org slash podcast and every episode i get to put notes and links um so I links to yeah a million things that you've said just now good good.
5: <laughs> especially dean street press all and right fur- I, and furrowed middle brow
0: yeah that's that's An a title. great name. yeah yeah and and this is might be a good time to lead into um a little thing i'm trying to implement in the podcast uh called the lightning round where <laughs> now i kind of Gave Christine a little hint of this, but Nancy, I did not tell you I was going to do this. She's
4: a pro. She's I,
0: that's what I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I
5: don't know. Yes. She's done
0: many more podcasts than me, we've established. Yes. Um, so, you know, people are always, any interview, someone's going to ask you for for a reading recommendation. It's what you do, It's you know. Right. But the rules of this game are don't think too hard. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give four categories and I just want you to come up with something. Doesn't have to be the best thing. Just what pops into your mind.
5: Okay. Let Christine go first.
0: Though. Let, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll say the category and then Christine can come up with one and then you can come up. Okay. Christine has, well, you might've heard this on the last podcast when I did the lightning round with Emma and Mary. I,
4: you gave me a little preview. So I, I have, my, I'm ready.
0: Okay. All right. So the first, the first category is a funny book.
4: Yes. Okay. This one is a local ish author, uh, Tiffany Midge. I can't remember if I mentioned it to you before, Neil, but it's bury my heart at Chuck E. Cheese by (laughs) Tiffany Midge. And she is a uh, native American writer and it's a series of essays slash, I guess, mostly essay short stories. Um, all with her very, very droll perspective on Native American contemporary society. There's a whole riff on um, white people and their crazy, crazy affection for pumpkin spice.
5: <laughs> it's a
4: really Yeah. And, and, um, Tiffany used to teach at Northwest Indian college. And so local ties, some of the stories are set in Bellingham. It's, it's really dry and very funny. Uh,
5: So, um, the book that I would recommend a funny book is William Cotswinkle's The bear went over the mountain, um, which is about a bear who decides, um, actually in the end to run for political office but before he gets to that point he has to um get over the mountain and live his figure out how he wants to live his life it is so much fun and so funny it's the kind of book that you just and it was published years and years ago and I whatever I still think about it which I do because I own a copy. So I see it on the bookshelf fairly frequently. I always smile because I love that book so much.
0: I remember reading reviews about it years and years ago. And for some reason I never picked it up, but now I will. Good. All right. Moving on to the second of the lightning rounds, a scary book christine you want to try it
4: so this one my book club just read it's a couple years old now but it's nickel boys by colton whitehead and it is scary it's historical-ish fiction um set in a boys reform school in the south and it's just horrific there's uh again it's a lot about race it's got um A lot of African-American kids are incarcerated in this place and the abuse that they suffer is horrific, but it's told in this really um, direct, compelling, sympathetic way. Uh, And it's just wonderful writing. Of course, he won National Book Award, I believe, for uh, maybe for Nickel Boys, but also for Underground Railroad. He has a new book coming out right now. So that is just a force in American literature right now, I think is Whitehead. And that book is
5: truly scary. Yeah. So uh, before I talk about a scary book, I just want to say Colson Whitehead's first novel is called The Intuitionist. And I, I have to say that of all of his books, that's the one I still love the best. Um, it's about an a woman, um, African American woman, elevator inspector, and uh, it's kind of an alternate world. So it's not our world, but there's a lot that's very similar. Um, and this main character in her in her job as an elevator inspector, there are elevator inspectors who go with. to do their job through, you know, they look at the at the, the wires, they do all that kind of practical stuff. But there is also a group of elevator operators who intuit elevator inspectors who intuit whether the elevator is in good condition or not. And the main character of this book is one of those intuitionists. And but it's a book. It's a book about race. It's a book about being female. It's just it's 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 just a fabulous fabulous book. Oh gosh, I love that book. Oh my god, I I yeah, that is still my favorite book. You have, you have to read it. You just you have to read it. Um, a scary book. so a scary book. I think is is a mystery by Peter Temple, who is an Australian writer, and his best book is called um, The Broken Shore which is about a, a uh, the main character is a police detective or he's been kicked off the force, but he's kind of at the end of his career and he comes up against really evil, um, not supernatural evil, but human evil. And that's what I think is the scariest kind of thing. Okay. Have you read that, Christine?
4: I haven't, but you just made me think of a TV series I've been watching. Yeah. The Unforgotten, if you've heard of that, it's a British series, uh, and the the season I'm on features um, basically a sociopath, and that is, to me, the scariest yeah, thing. Yeah, I can't, Someone yeah. who goes crazy and starts ex-murdering people, I get it, right? But the yeah. sociopath who can just cold-blooded look
5: you in the eye and lie out, right. out their ears, that is really yeah. scary. I can't read that. I thought you were going to say you were watching the Jack Irish Mysteries on Acorn because those are based on Peter Temple novels. Oh, nice! And so they're and they're not scary at all in that way. Um, The the way, yeah, the way the Broken Shore is. Oh, the oh the Jack Irish books are so good. The books are better. The, The Acorn TV show is great, but oh my gosh, the four Jack Irish books are fabulous. (laughs) <laughs> Not to be confused with the Jackson Brody books, which are right, so- which are also wonderful. And yeah. the TV show of those was wonderful too. Yeah,
4: that was but, kind of a par. Yeah, felt like the books are yeah. great. And so, yeah,
5: and the audio books of those are really wonderful too. Actually, the Jackson Brody ones, the Kate Atkinson books. Yeah.
0: well, and speaking of audio books, my next uh, category is the best narration in an audio book. So I say the best something interesting. I'm not looking for the best of anything. I'm looking for what comes to your mind.
4: Neil, I'm just going to jump in. I can't even tell you that it was the best narration, but it was the best (laughs) listened to in a while on audio. And that was great circle by Maggie Shipstead. Um, I just listened to it while I was hiking the wonderland trail with my friends. We did a hundred miles and my one, like, luxury item was uh, my phone for for photos and for listening to audiobooks and so listening to that audiobook each night was really just a great uh, way to relax and get my head out of uh the day-to-day grind of of putting in the miles and it is a wonderful story uh Two stories, one historic story of a woman who's an aviator whose interest is in circumnavigating the globe over the poles, over the Arctic. And then a modern day story of an actress who's been kind of stuck in a twilight type movie series and then um, has kind of a total meltdown and, and ruins her career and wants to rehabilitate herself by acting as this uh, pilot. So there's like a biopic of her. um, She's building her career by taking on this role of this legendary pilot.
0: I I just have to say before, Nancy, before you get into yours, biopic is another of those words Nancy and I were talking about earlier that you read and don't necessarily learn the pronunciation. And I used to always say biopic biopic i love it It, and i still i was about
4: to wonder if i said it wrong and it was biopic
0: (laughs) no no we had you'll you'll have to listen to the early (laughs) find out the ones that we get wrong Um, so nancy
5: yes so uh god i'm i i'm a big audio book person and uh, but i came to it late um because I never thought I would enjoy them because I don't take in information. It didn't seem to me I took in information through my ears. I always thought it was through reading like that. Um, but I loved the narrators. There are two narrators who do the Terry Pratchett novels and um, one of them, and they're both fabulous. They're, they're just both fabulous. Um, and what I love about them well, I love I love the Terry Pratchett novels, particularly the ones that are set in in Ankh Morpork featuring Sam Vimes, who is the 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 head of the Night Watch um, or the the police, the police department and the person who reads those that part, those those Night Watch books. I just I list, I I listen to them once a year. Um, I just listen to them in order once a year, at least because I just almost anybody with a British accent. Let me just back up and say probably anything that somebody with a British accent reads, it, I'm going to love, except I've had a little trouble with middle March. And <laughs> but, um, you know, whether it's it's Anthony Trollope or Georgette Hay or oh, my gosh, some of those readers are wonderful, too. Um, and I just listened to one of the TV shows that I really enjoyed was Belgravia, mm-hmm. a great, just a fun historical novel um, by Julian Fellows, who did Downton Abbey. And I just for the second time listened to the audio book that the series was based on, read by Juliet Stevenson, who's a terrific British actress. And it's just such a just so engrossing, and it's a good plot and even if you know what happens in the end, which I did, getting there is still really a, a great experience. So I guess it's that British accent that's going to get me every time.
0: So the last um, category is a hopeful book.
4: I'll I'll jump in. And this is a kind of a funny one, but I... Um, Recently, read a book called *The Way of a Boy*, a memoir, a memoir of Java, and this is one of those little-known backlist-type titles uh, written by a man named Ernest Hillen. He was a boy at the end of World War II when the Japanese were uh, still in Indonesia, and they put all of the. Uh, I guess the colonialists, all of the British subjects and whoever else was around Dutch and others in prisoner of war camps. And they, uh, he lived there with his mother, actually in a series of several camps for more than seven years. And he tells this really simply told story of his boyhood growing up in these camps and how they survived. And it is not, sentimental and it's not uh, angry and it's just telling the story and 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 kind of what he learned out of the whole experience in such a beautiful way while also giving the the sights and sounds and flavors of uh, living in indonesia at that time and anyway it's hopeful to me in that people can survive Uh, incredible trauma and hardship and uh, still find the good in other people. And there were some really great experiences that he had while he was there. And that just gives a little perspective that throughout history, there've been horrible things (laughs) that have happened and really stretched us all, but yet people are resilient and make it through. So for me, that's hopeful
5: yeah i when I thought about hopeful books, I guess one of the books that I thought about was something that Neil and a book that Neil and I talked about earlier, which was um, um uh, the oh my gosh, what is it called the flight book the, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh my god now my now my mind, never mind, let's cut that oh, whole thing out sure um all right, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Christine, your book, the book that you described made me think of two books. Um, I am a real pessimist, so it's hard for me to get, be hopeful about anything, but two books I thought did exactly, two novel, well, one novel, one memoir did exactly what you talked about, um, in the book that you said. And one of those novels that I think is, is hopeful is A Town Like Alice by Neville Shute, which is um, which? Which is set at the beginning of, of World War II, and it's the Japanese advance on the islands. And um, a, 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 a young British woman is, um, you know, the forced marches, and ends up in a in a very small village. And what happens? And it's just a really good, good. It's just a really good book. Um, that was so, made
4: into a miniseries yeah. with Brian Brown, yep, yeah. and I have been looking for it. I would get it on VHS or what. Yep, yep, yeah. And it's into my memory. Yep. Yes,
5: it, it was a great, I mean, it was Brian Brown's best role ever. And um, it was an amazing miniseries. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful. But the book that it's based on is really, is just great. The other book is a memoir. And, and so now I think, you, Christine, you have to find this book. (laughs) because it's exactly what you were talking about. It's called Three Came Home. It's by Agnes Newton Keith. It was written right after, very shortly, I believe, after World War II. And it's about um, uh, she and her husband and young son were in, I believe, Borneo when Borneo was captured by the Japanese. And they were put in um, different um, concentration camps, uh, prisoner of war camps, and and Agnes Newton Keith says in this book exactly what you said, Christine, that sometimes there are uh, a terrible things that happen, and there are bad people in the world, but there's always good people who can balance that out. And her experience as a British woman with her husband. Uh, you know um, the cruelty of of the different camp command commanders compared to the kindness or not kindness but indifference of some. It's really a a, a, a really a, a book that does show, I think, um, that does have hope uh, for the world. And given when it was written, I think it's it's a, a pretty important book. Um, so those two those two books and then now i remember the book i was trying to say melinda french gates's <laughs> memoir about which i i um I- interviewed her i think that's a book that is hopeful because i think melinda french gates is an optimist and she can take these experiences that um that she has encountered in her life Um, working with the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and she can see the hope in what they do. And I remember when I interviewed her, I, I said, how do you remain so optimistic, Melinda? And she said, well, Nancy, you should answer that. How do you remain so optimistic? And I said, "Oh, Melinda, I am a pessimist. Uh, I don't even know that word, optimism." So we all had a good. Uh, but I'm constantly amazed at people who can remain optimistic in in the face of um, some of the things that happened and have happened in the world. So that was a good. That's a good question, Neil. I mean, that was good for the for that. You know, to come up with books like that.
0: Yeah, I like and I like ending it on a hopeful.
5: Yes,
0: that just and and this makes a good transition. I mean, I'm kind of aware of the time here. It's noon, and I wasn't really expecting to. <laughs> <laughs> I had no expectations here, like but Alice, I don't wanna... When
4: I get together with Nancy, we've got lots of good right. to talk about. Yeah, it was
0: great. You guys have great rapport, and and I can just stand out of the way and and listen to my cat who's been meowing. The whole time. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you, Nancy, for, for coming here and allowing us to sit at your feet once again. Uh, I want to say <laughs>
4: congratulations in person. Oh, your thank you. award and recognition is so, so well-deserved, and it just, you know, you are the model librarian for for the country and the world, and I'm so glad you received
5: recognition for that. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I feel like Um, that, that I, that I, they gave the award to me, but I, I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm accepting it on behalf of, of all the librarians in public libraries who do the work that they do. And, you know, it's so important. Uh, it's such an important institution and, and we need to be better about talking about how important it is.
0: Yeah, and I would sure love to have you back soon to talk about how important it is and, and the other hundred questions that I have listed <laughs> to ask. Sorry. You. No, no, no.
5: I'd I, love I, that. I,
0: okay, that's that's yep. a contract right there.
5: Yep, yep. <laughs> Let's do it.
0: All right. And and Christine, thank you for popping in and surprising Nancy. That was thank you. Yeah, that worked okay. well. You never know with, with with this podcast, you never know what's gonna happen. And this was a this this was a gem. This one worked.
5: Thank good. you so much, Nancy. It's so good to see you. You as well. I hope sometime soon it'll be in person. Yeah. Yes, agree. Yeah. Bye-bye.
0: What an exciting show. Thank you to our guests, Melanie May, WCLS patron and supporter. And member of the friends of the blaine library and to nancy pearl winner of the national book foundation's 2021 literarian award and likely the most well-known librarian in the world thanks also to mary kinzer wcls collection development librarian for her conversation with melanie may and to our executive director christine perkins for popping in to surprise nancy pearl you never know what's going to happen on this podcast friends and as always, thanks to the show's producer, director and stunt coordinator, Mary Vermillion. Art is long and time is fleeting. Please visit our website, wcls.org podcast for notes and links to books and other things mentioned on the episode and on past episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, This is Neil McKay for WCLS in Whatcom County.